to a brand new season of Should Have Backed It. New host, who this? Jonathan Corbett is my name, and I'll introduce our guest. It's the same talent you guys are used to hearing every week during the uh, autumn and spring carnivals. Our expert is Chris Venuccio of Herald Sun fame. G'day, Chris. How are you going? Hello, Corbs. Hello, Phil. Looking forward to the new format. We've got the same music, same old music, but new format. And uh, the, the Phil that he refers to is Phil Georgios, our punting expert. How Phil, how are you? Yeah, good Good to see you, John. Good evening. And uh, Big V's already jumped the gun and introduced me himself. So looking to take your position in the, uh, in the, in the hot seat there, Corbs. But yeah, as Big V said, looking forward to a new big season. I should have backed it podcast. I don't remember that being in any run sheet where Big V was introducing anyone, but uh, the talent is on the loose. So uh, we're going to be keeping to our 20-minute format throughout this season. It'll be most likely a Wednesday night, Thursday morning drop, so post-acceptances, but ahead of of the weekend. And uh, we're going to do a little bit of a rear vision stuff, but mostly a bit of racing banter and then a, a quick look ahead each week to the following Saturdays races but we will of course have our should have backed it and should have sacked it and that's where we'll start so i'll throw to chris firstly if you should have backed it from last weekend i'm making my should have backed it learning to fly from randwick in the english millennium i got put off by the wide barrier and as it turned out on the day rose hill favored those horses running out wide so it turned out to be a good barrier in the end and i think with these two-year-olds you know, I think um, you don't need to really think too much about the barriers. I think it's usually best talent gets you over the line. And I think learning to fly first up showed that she is a, a golden slipper contender. So good price, missed out on that. And my should have sacked it, I'm going to go to Sandown. I'm thunderstruck in the all stakes. I just thought, you know, sometimes when you're doing your form, you've got to focus on stage of prep and I just thought first up, you know, might have been a, a bit risky looking towards an all-star mile, but, you know, really heavily backed on the day, 4.80 early in the morning and and starting the starting price was $3, so the punters really came for it and I just went with the flow and, you know, in a low-confidence race and I making that my should have sacked it. And Philip, you should have backed it and should have sacked it from last Saturday? Yeah, I was just reflecting on Big V, should have uh, backed it there. I'm surprised he's run with a two-year-old. He's being a little bit harsh on himself, I reckon, at this time of year to be to be uh, slapping himself on the wrist there. But yeah, my should have backed it. I had a bit of, a bit of trouble with this one, but I've gone with a double. Uh, I didn't really know what to do with In Secret and Animo. They both looked like the winners, but of course, first up, who knows? Uh, and I sort of I didn't really decide how I was going to make that work for me from a punning perspective. So my should have backed it is that I should have put them together, parlayed in secret into Animo and, and made a little cash that way because in the end I just sort of sat and watched and thought, gee, I've missed an opportunity there. So that's my should have backed it for this week. Uh, we'll stay at uh, in Sydney for my should have sacked it and I'm going to go with Swats that. Um, it's just a little bit of a non-winner swats that, and it'll come out and win next time now that I've said that. I ran on okay again into third, but I'm just happy to watch her go around from now on. She's obviously done a lot in her career and uh, done okay in some group ones, but doesn't quite get the chocolates um, on enough occasions for me to keep going with her. The other one, I think, it's not one I backed, but surely everyone's off Espiona by now. Started favourite again and didn't get the job done for about the 10th time in a row. 
So just looking back uh, on last Saturday, gentlemen, it was a good day for Godolphin uh, in secret and anime, like Phil mentioned. I think they won both the preludes at Sandown as well, so if Barber and Exploring. Uh, we also had the return of Lofty Strike with a, uh, a big win at Sandown. There was the big Group 1 decided by a protest with Jacano defeating Gentleman Roy in that one on protest. And then also... Uh, Big V mentioned learning to fly in there. We also had Cafe Millennium. So what were your key highlights from last Saturday across Sandown and Randwick? Well, I think the uh, the highlights for me was the all stakes. I think even though I was um, kicking myself afterwards, backing I'm Thunderstruck, but I just thought it was a – I think it's going to be a good form race. And a lot of – we can take out a lot from the, the all, even though, um, you know, I think on reflection – it makes sense that Jackano was there to win. You know, I'm, I'm sure Mixed Price would, would have wanted to get that weight for age group one, whereas I'm Thunderstruck, you're looking towards an all-star mile. And I, I, I do agree with the, the protest decision um, being upheld. It doesn't look obvious when you're watching it from the side on, but when you look at the stewards' footage, it is quite obvious that Gentleman Roy did shift out and make significant contact with Jackano. So... I think the, the right call was made. Phil, I was with you on uh, Saturday afternoon uh, and we uh, we watched that race, the CF4 together, and then continued about our afternoon. And uh, I looked at my phone half an hour later and uh, the money for Jackano was in my betting account. So it didn't look, at, at first glance, it didn't look like something that was uh, going to result in a protest, but we all have that feeling when our horse gets nutted for a second, oh, I hope there's a protest, and it came true for me. What did you make of it? Well, I didn't have a, a, a horse in the fight on this occasion, Corbs. I was on Mr. Brightside, who I thought actually was a really nice run into fifth there first up and definitely keen to keep looking at it, it on its preparation this time around. I've looked at this a few times now. You're right, from the side angle, you're never going to be able to see that uh, interference, but I have looked at it front on. And look, I, as you say, we, we moved on and didn't really look at the stewards' protest and didn't realise it was happening, but... I think I've got to kind of disagree with Big V. I was a little bit surprised that they um, overturned that decision and gave it to Jack and O. I, I can see, obviously, there was some interference, but to say that that horse definitely would have, wouldn't have won or would have won in Jack and O's case uh, if that interference hadn't been there, I'm not sure you can conclusively say that. It's a bit like when you watch the cricket, mate, and you've got umpires' calls flying around everywhere. It's not that certain, and I, I think they probably should have left it with Gentleman Roy. Yeah, I think the I, th- I think the decision was a lot more clear than the some of those dodgy DRSs we saw in the first test in India. But I, I, I one thing I forgot to mention with I'm um, thunderstruck, and I think this goes with Mr. Brightside as well, is that though it was very tough for those two to win the way the race was run. It was a very slow tempo. I thought we usually see that in wait for age races, but I thought we we're going to get a bit more with Tuvalu and Gentleman Roy. But Gentleman Roy didn't go anywhere near as fast as he did first up. So I thought they were two big runs. And, and for Nugget to run third as well, you know, a race around that 1,600 to 1,700 for him looks really good. So I think Nugget's in for a good campaign as well. I heard a little bit of banter that uh, they a few people weren't happy with I'm Thunderstruck. And I, I kind of am leaning towards your view there that I think it's just the way the race was run. But it is becoming one of those horses that you can't really be confident it's going to win. It's obviously, you know, right in the top two or three horses in Australia. But because it gets back, often early in its career, it found trouble. And now it's hitting the line just that little bit too late. We saw that in the Cox Plate as well, where it got a, kind of got held up. So it's one of those horses that you've got to have a 
take on take on trust a little bit when you back it. And looking at the two-year-olds, I know, Phil, you don't like backing two-year-olds too early before grand finals, but I know, John, he loves his two-year-olds. But I did get involved in some two-year-old betting and I was on the WA course, um, Brave Halo. I had a big go on it. I was pretty confident that it'll run top three, but just things didn't go his way. Mr. Star and then Jamie Carr on Barber put him in a pocket, didn't really get a run at them and he's only been beaten just over a length running fourth so that was a that that really did hurt me for the day I was I was going um you know I was swimming against the tide after that I think the uh, races in Melbourne you couldn't really draw a strong conclusion from either of them as far as I'm concerned I mean Barber's gone three wins on the trot now so that's pretty good form but I think I'd still want to see a little bit more before I start worrying about blue diamonds and golden slippers with some of those on the other hand the Sydney wins looked at least to the eye, to be much more impressive. But, of course, you mentioned that getting off the rail wasn't the worst thing you could do at Randwick on the weekend. But the win of Cafe Millennium was something to be seen, wasn't it? Kind of missed a start, couldn't keep up with them, and then came thundering home. Uh, Looks like it might be a big horse, so it needs the big open spaces of a a track like that. But, gee, that was about as impressive as you'll see first first start. Well, the Sydney form is superior to the Melbourne form. So with this... With this uh, Melbourne form, it's a, a bit unpredictable and very wide open, which is why, looking towards the Blue Diamond, you've got the Steel City with that Sydney form. Might not even get a run, might get balloted out. So, you know, I think if that if Steel City's out of the Blue Diamond, I think it's going to be very open, very tough to find a winner. All right, now we'll move on to some of the media issues of the racing week. Now, uh, Big V, I uh, was uh, chatting to you off-air about the Asian Racing Conference. A couple of talking points coming out of that at the moment. So we'll start with uh, the CEO, uh, Andrew Jones, wanting to uh, enforce a, or de-enforce as a case may be, the dress code. Have you got any thoughts on that one? Well, if you, I know in GA you can wear whatever you want to wear. So if you want to wear, you know, shorts and, you know, thongs or, you know, shoes without socks, you can always go to GA. But I I do think, I, I think sometimes in the, in the members, a few people might, you know, I think I think it's a fashion faux pas wearing a suit without any socks. But you know, I'm not a I'm not a fashion I'm not a fashion guru. But I I just think I like it that in the members that having casual a bit more casual wear rather than the suits, the shirt, uh, sorry, the ties and the jackets. But I do think when you go into members, you've got to have some sort of standard to to adhere to. Phil, is this the kind of idea that uh, the industry needs to look at? Yeah, it's an interesting one. It's always nice to hear um, you, you two talk about your suits. I didn't actually know you were meant to wear suits to a race course until I met you two. So I was always your, your, your shorts and a t-shirt guy at the races. But you've introduced me to the the other side of the members' uh, enclosure, and uh, I can see why a few don't mind it. But the fact is, mate, like I don't know if that's going to bring in more people. I think kind of the younger crowds like the fact that you might have to, you know, dress up for the day and and get out and look your best. When you're at the races, I'm not sure it's going to necessarily bring much by changing the dress code. It's almost by not having a dress code, are you enforcing a dress code? But I think the members are allowed to do what they like. That's a members club. You can you can choose to do what you like and just leave GA how it is. So, look, I don't really have a strong opinion on it other than I've always been a more relaxed racing kind of guy myself. Yeah, I, th- I think there is merit in looking at this sort of thing, right? Because if, if everyone perceives... Um 
that you know you do have to wear a suit just to go to the races i can understand that being a barrier to entry especially at this time of year you get a lot of nice weather i think it's going to be 35 where we are in melbourne tomorrow i think that can, can be a bit of a turn off for people all right the other thing that's come out of the asian racing conference uh that's of, in, of interest is this world pools business which is going to be activated this saturday at flemington big v do you want to tell us a bit more about that well i don't know the the ins and outs of it but i think from a simplistic point of view, you're going to have, yeah, it's sort of like a global betting tote where you're going to have, you know, a number of jurisdictions all involved in this one pool. So obviously you're going to have, you know, the, the STAB, Hong Kong, and I'm assuming you'd have a, a UK and, and a US, you know, part of that as well. So I think what it is, it's just going to have more liquidity in the market and more stability. And I know you'll like that because I have seen you have a few bets on the tote before and, you know, you put your, your cash on a minute before jump, you're thinking you're going to get $5. And then when you when you get the winner, it's paying three eighty. And And I know that that's been a, a source of frustration for you many times. So, Phil, on this point, it, it would appear that this is being driven by the prevalence of uh, corporate bookies and most people, therefore, taking fixed odds all the time, which means the, the tote market, no one bets to do it anymore because they don't have confidence. They've got that exact issue that Big V uh, mentioned before. What do you, do you think of the idea of uh, expanding the, the tote pool global? Yeah, well, I'm not one that's dabbled in the tote for a little while now, but what I have noticed when I put my feet up on a Sunday Arvo watching Shartian is that you do get some wild discrepancies with the odds that you see uh, in Australia and, and across, across there in Hong Kong. And uh, in particular, um, the Australian horses or the Australian jockeys are way over bet uh, locally. So you're going to get some weird odds that sort of pop up. So I think to make it a bit more consistent, uh, by having a world tote across those, as long as they're not taking extra cut out of it. Uh, I think that's probably a positive thing, to be honest. And it looks like it's a trial. So it's a VRC, Hong Kong Jockey Club type partnership for this weekend. So I'd imagine we'll start seeing that again uh, around the um, the guineas and those sort of Flemington features in March if it's deemed anything other than a uh, raging failure. All right, the other uh, big issues floating around, there's some legal antics going on. Big V, do you want to very succinctly translate that for us? You know, you've given me the, the tough job to do, but I'll try and see what I can do. But I, I think it's essentially racing New South Wales is taking the other racing jurisdictions to court because they're trying to, uh, you know, obtain documents of of um, correspondence between these these other racing bodies to... To which they allege are forming a you know cartel to exclude racing New South Wales and potentially form a, a breakaway uh, racing body. But I think my understanding is I don't think this is probably going to really get to court because I, I from what I'm reading and what I gather is racing New South Wales don't aren't engaging with the other racing bodies. So of course racing Victoria, racing Queensland, South Australia, WA, Tasmania are all going to have their own conversations because Racing New South Wales doesn't want to get involved. And then we had, after that, you know, leaked documents talking about um, about this you know, alleged breakaway group and, and trying to cut off Racing New South Wales. But I think that might have been a, a little bit of a Sydney beat-up because I think the, the key paragraph in that story was that these documents were prepared by a third party. Bit of stuff and nonsense and BS, Phil? Sounds that way. I'll, I'll leave it to the more learned 
people in the uh, on the call and in life to uh, talk about the specifics. But just on the outside, just as a punter, it just seems all a little bit ridiculous that these jurisdictions are fighting. I think the the best uh, outcome is going to be working together and getting their whole industry up and running um, effectively. You know, there's a lot of competition as we as we're seeing around the world, etc. And if we're not operating properly, then it's only going to be to the detriment of the industry. So, yeah, Big V, you can you keep fighting the good fight. I see that your publication happened to just throw in the uh, the Sydney side of affairs as well, which was interesting given their Victorian base, but we might leave that for another day. Definitely, yeah. Now, uh, we'll move on to next Saturday. So, uh, looking ahead, uh, the races, uh, the big races are at Flemington and Rose Hill. So, Flemington's got the big Group 1 the Lightning Stakes with Nature Strip, Coolangatta, Murabi, I Wish I Win, and uh, a few of those sort of horses. The big race in Rose Hill is the Hobartville, the Group 2, Manzois coming back from the Derby, Aft Cabin, Aussie Penko. You've also got horses like Elliptical, Anavisto, and Shelby 66 all coming back this week. And there's some big two-year-old races with the Talendert and the Silver Slipper. So we might go to Phil. What are you looking forward to this weekend? No, I think I think those are the big races. Uh, obviously exciting to see Nation Chip come back. It's uh, First up record isn't amazing, but you would think over 1,000 against that field, it should be able to get the job done. I think Marabi at about $9.50, $10 isn't the worst bet early on, but we'll see how that field shapes up uh, as we get closer to the jump. Um, aft cabin that was just about my most exciting win of the autumn so far i know we're very early on in the autumn but that was impressive and you'd expect him to go on and, and get the job done again early quote i think's roughly a dollar 60 so i think it might be a watch race but at the same time it might be a really good watch uh for horse lovers and um you know punters that like to see the best win uh I don't have a view on the two-year-olds. Is that what might surprise you, Corbs? I'm happy to watch those ones go around and have a look. Big V might have some more stronger views than myself. But a uh, horse I don't mind the look, out, look of in the get-out stakes is uh, Midwest. So if you're having a look late and you've, um, you know, you need, a, you want to finish the day on a good, good note, I think Midwest and the last at Rose Hill looks to be a good bet. Now, the way we're going to close out the segment, uh, the uh, the episode this week, uh, just uh, being the first episode, of course. Phil, I'd love to get your uh, early look at what you, which group one you think is most enticing over the upcoming summer autumn period. Is the Quokka a group one? That looks like an absolute ripper over there in Perth, but I, I probably wouldn't go there. Um, <laughs> I, I thought maybe Big V might head to the Quokka. But no, I, I like my sprinting, mate. And I know that Big V was very keen on his sprinting as well, was probably going to mention the Oakley Plate, but I would look to Sydney and I like the TJ. I think we'll see the best horses and the best sprinters in Australia go head to head over 1200. And I think there's nothing better than seeing that. So that's the one for me. I think you've got to wait till April till that happens. So a lot will, uh, a lot will happen between now and then, but that's certainly the one I'm looking forward to. And have had a lot of success in that race over the years and hope to build on that uh, this year as well. What about you, John? Is there anything that springs to mind that or catches your eye that you want to can't wait for? I, I love a hot Doncaster. So you get where you get some three-year-olds having a crack um, and fillies and, and, and some of the best milers, the George Ryder winner. And yeah, you get a good weight spread. You normally get a full field in the Doncaster as well. So that that's normally the one I look forward to. Uh, the way it's set up this year, you might get a winner going through to the Queen Elizabeth as well. So that's t- tends to be the way I play, but we will get into this in future weeks. There's some unfortunate clashes with some of these races on two sides of the border coming up as well. So we'll save that topic 
We'll give the final word for this week to the Big V. Big V, uh, we'll get your uh, most uh, appealing group one of the summer. I'm really looking forward to the Oakley Plate. I think it's going to be a really good addition this year. You know, a couple of up-and-coming sprinters, Ashfura, IME, Lockie Strike, Star Patrol, Uncommon James, potentially Chain of Lightning, Marabi. I think this is going to be a really strong addition and it's going to be a real hot race. And I think, you know, a few of these horses might be, you know, the, the next, you know, top group one type horses as well. So I think it's going to be a great race. All right. Well, that is episode one of Should Have Backed It in the Books. Thank you to Chris and Phil. We'll be back this time next week and looking forward to having your company then. Cheers, gents. Good luck on the punt.